0: but striving to make it better. Amen? And that's all of us, isn't it? That's the way it should be, right? Striving to be more of what we promised in the beginning. And so I I just noticed that, and Ronnie and I were both noticing that there were uh, verses we never sang. Thank God that whoever ran that through there made us do all the verses because that's where the good verses are. We We just sing those popular verses. We miss the message. Of the song. All right, how many? How many got enough sleep last night? Raise your hand. Okay, good. Praise the Lord. Some of you did. Jacob and Dita, they they almost slept the noon today. They they ought to be in good shape. They slept right through Bible study. <laughs> they love me, uh, uh, acknowledging their goodness. Right. <laughs> All right. Let's turn to First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter 2. We're we're not going to have service tonight because it's kind of was an overthought of it being a a weekend running into a holiday. And uh, the reason we uh, turn loose on those Sunday nights uh, around those holidays is uh, a lot of people don't come anyway. You know, just face it, you don't come anyway. And then the faithful come and I feel like I'd, I'd like to give them the freedom to spend time with their families rather than a choice they have to make to not come or come. And, and so that's what that's all about. Uh, and we're here on Sunday night to teach more about the Lord and, and, a, and about Christ and to learn more. And uh, I do appreciate those people that are faithful in the evening service and the Wednesday night service. We had 44 here Wednesday night, praise God good to turn out for Wednesday night service. I want to thank you that we're here for that service. And so it's, uh, it's Sunday morning. We're looking at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 and uh, verse 11 to 17. I don't have a, a traditional holiday sermon. I don't, I don't much like those things. Uh, I like to just get in the book and see what the Bible teaches us. And it does have something about our relationship to government in our text. And so let's read the text together. You follow me. First Peter chapter two begin with verse eleven. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness but as the service of God. Honor all men... Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Now, we're just going to take it from verse 11. And the, the, the ideal is we have a witness in our community, in our world, and we're to live a life and a testimony that's worthy of Christ. I noticed I didn't say we're to live a perfect life, none of us could. Right, And if we did, we would be out of place. <laughs> All the world expects of us, those that uh, are honest, is just a good testimony of uh, someone that's trying to do right. That's, that's, that's the standard. Someone that wants to be consistent, someone that uh, doesn't want to be a hypocrite, but is consistent uh, with, with, their, with their values. That's what the world can can expect from us. So let's say it that way. Now, uh, I said the other day how much I said something about how many of us have been hypocrites, and and I wanna I wanna rephrase what I was saying. How many of us have been hypocritical? Our hands go up. But I, I don't want to say we've been hypocrites. A hypocrite is someone who is living a lie and don't care. But we're all hypocritical and that we fall short of our standards, don't we? We all do. God understands that. That's why Jesus died on the cross. We're not to sin willfully, yet we do every time we sin, don't we? But we sin because we have a sin nature. Now, our witness in the world, For our conscience' sake and for Christ's sake, it says in verse 13, Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. We ought to obey the laws of the Lamb for the Lord's sake, not because we like the law or agree with the law or disagree with the law. We need to do it for Jesus' sake. To me, that's challenging. Because when I see a law that I don't like, I don't want to follow it. We all that way a little bit? That's our American heritage coming out. I've told y'all this a few times, and so you ought to be getting it by now. The the British obey every law. The French obey none of the laws. I'm true, right? And the Americans obey the laws we believe in. (laughs) That pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? It's pretty much true. But... We are to, for conscience' sake, do the right thing, and for the Lord's sake, we have to do things because He's the boss, and for His honor and glory, we should do the things that are right, even if we don't necessarily think it's the right thing to do. So verse 11, He he addresses us, and He says, Dearly beloved, Dearly beloved, I beseech you, I beg you, he says, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust. One good reason, because they war against your own soul. Now, first of all, this ideal of, of being a dearly beloved that's who we are as a Christian. We're God's dearly beloved, and we need to be dearly beloved among ourselves. Between ourselves, I need to love you and you need to love me and we need to love each other and we need to express that love. We need to live that love out. We need to encourage one another. We need to hold one another up. We need to support one another. We need to be careful of our criticism of one another. Now in the world, we're strangers and pilgrims. But in the church, we're dearly beloved brothers and sisters in Christ. This is our home. This is our spiritual home, and we should find support, encouragement, challenge, responsibilities. So it's like when we grew up in our home. I hope that wasn't three weeks old. It was. In, In our church... We need to be just like in our home. Our parents gave us responsibilities. We were a part of that family. We were to stand up for, for that name. We were to represent that 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 name well. We ought to live in our church in such a way that we honor the Lord Jesus Christ for Jesus' sake and for conscience' sake that we bring honor and glory to God because this is His church. He is the groom and we are the bride. So... We're at home, dearly beloved. Do you love me? I love you. Each one of you. There's no, you know. I've, let me look around, and make sure. I, I I don't see anyone I don't I don't love. Ben Rhodes holding his hand up like that. I can't say I love everybody in this world like I should oh don't even go there. Now, we're the dearly beloved. In the world, we're strangers and pilgrims. But here we are, the beloved family of God, and we ought to be able to relax here. We're family. In the world, we're not family. Your family, your real family, your your, your Christian family... We should learn one another's language. We should understand one another's beliefs. And in our family, we get to know one another's heart. Let me wash that junk out of my mouth. <clears throat> I hated it when preachers drank water in front of me when I was a kid. I always wanted some water when they did that. But, but this is our family. Your family, the family of God. We're the beloved of the Lord. You know, your family should get to know you, get to understand you, get to love you and appreciate you for who you are and what you bring to the table. That's what a family should do, amen? This should be a, a resort for us. It should be a refuge for us. Now, I've got some reference I want to go to in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is family responsibilities. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 19, he says, For though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself servant unto all. Paul said, I'm a free person, but I have made myself to be a servant to all that I might gain the more. By being independent, by being rebellious, we lose. By being a servant, we gain. He said, and unto the Jew I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, I became as under the law, that I might gain them which are under the law. To them that are without law, I became as without the law, being not a without the law of God, he said, I didn't violate the laws of God there, but I just didn't make the laws a big thing when I was people that did not understand the law. That's what he's saying. And and he said, but under the the law of Christ, to Christ. Notice why. That I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak became I as weak. That I might gain the weak. I have made all things to all men that I might by all means save some, and this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partakers thereof with you. Do you see that as the Christian family verses that teaches us that we need to think about the family of God, our dearly beloved family of God, more than ourselves? He says, I'm free, but I have become made myself a servant. You know, uh, you don't have to be here today. You could be anywhere you want to be today, but you're here. You've given up your time, and you've given up yourself. Some of you have taught a Bible class, and and you've put the efforts into that three or four hours, some maybe 15 minutes. (laughs) I didn't point at nobody. I pointed above. But you've sacrificed. You have made yourself a servant. You've surrendered and submitted yourself. That's important. And that's the only thing, only thing that makes it work in your family. Your family won't work if you don't submit to it. If you try to be an independent, keep your own way, do your own thing, your family's not going to work. It's not going to work. Your church ain't going to work. If you don't, as it says, I have made myself servant unto all. Why? He said that I might gain. He said, a Jew, I became a Jew. To those without the law, I became as without the law. He's, Paul is saying, I'm not trying to offend people. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to encourage. I'm trying to build. He said, even to the weak, I became as weak. He wasn't looking down at people. He wasn't preaching down at people. He was trying to reach out to people. We have to develop that attitude, don't we? Now, how many of you think that I need to be told when I've made a grave mistake? How many think that I might need to be loved when I've made a great mistake? To the weak, I became weak. Now, as a Christian in the family of God to be dearly beloved, we we adapt to good family value. That's just mentioned there. Paul said, I, I, my goal is to gain. My goal is not to run people off. My gain, my goal is to win people, to encourage people, to build people. And then as a Christian in the in this family of love, we we take stuff. We have to take stuff. I think it's uh, verse 19. Look at it. He says, For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience towards God endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your fault ye shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently this is acceptable with god verse 21 for even hereunto were you called because christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that you should follow his steps now get this get this in your brain understand this and religions teach opposite of what i'm about to say you do not do anything to merit your salvation. The sufferings that you go through in life have nothing to do with salvation. You can't be saved by go through, going through suffering. You can't even go to purgatory and get your way into heaven. There ain't nothing to that. The suffering that you go through in life will not merit any any part of your soul's salvation. But notice, verse 21, For even whereunto ye were called... Okay, you were called to something. You were called to, to do, verse 20, verse 19, verse 21. We were called to do this, verse 19. For it is thanksworthy if a man for conscience' sake towards God endures grief, suffering wrongfully. <clears throat> don't raise your hand, but how many of you have been done wrong? You're not to defend yourself. Although, we, we want to, don't we? That's our nature to do so. We we And, and we even want revenge, don't we? That's our old nature. But... We have called, verse 19, to suffer, endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Remember when Jesus was on that cross? What did He say? Father, forgive them. They know what? Not what they do. We gotta adapt that. Verse 20, what does it say there? We're called. What are we called to do in verse 20? He said, "For what glory is it if ye, when you be buffeted for your for your fall?" He said, what glory is it when you've done wrong and you suffer for it? There's no glory in that whatsoever. He said, you shall take it patiently. You should take it patiently. But, he says, here it is. Here's what we are called to do. But if when you do well and you suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Now, now listen, I want you to get the standard there that, that the apostle gave us, Peter gave us. He said, you haven't you haven't really done anything extra. He said, This is just acceptable with God. If they take your coat from you and you give them your shirt too, now that's above acceptable. You follow it? So so he said he he said, but if you take it patiently, he said, if you suffer and you take it patiently, This is acceptable with God. Just just to take it. If you say thank you for it, it might be more than acceptable. (laughs) Lord, help us get there. Amen? That one's tough. We have to take stuff. We're called to do that. Verse 21, he said, For even whereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should... Follow his steps. I heard a sermon one time years ago called The Ongoing Suffering of Christ. The ongoing suffering of Christ. And it refers to this concept right here. That when you do what you're called to do, to suffer for doing the right thing and taking it patiently, he said, when you when you do that, he said, you're carrying on to the, tra- tra- the tradition of Christ of suffering wrong. When you were right. Now, that's why I opened up that idea with the idea it doesn't merit anything to do with your salvation. It's going to merit rewards when you get to heaven. Jesus is our example. Look at verse 24. Who, his own self, bear our sins and his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness By whose stripes ye were healed. He is the healer, isn't he? Now, here it is. We're to suffer. We're to put up. We're to put out. We're to do right when we've been done wrong in the family of God and to people of the world. We're to do that. We've been called to that. Now then we look at our relationship with the world as we think about these two words here in verse eleven as pilgrims and strangers. In the world we're strangers. Hey, what I've just taught is strange to the world. Maybe even strange still to you if you've never heard it. We're not to we're not to stand up and overcome, we're to endure suffering, grief bearing it patiently he said he said here that we're strangers and we're pilgrims this method this way of life is not it's not adopted adapted into the world it's not a part of the world's philosophy the world's philosophy do unto me as i would have you do unto me or i will do unto you as i want to do unto you that's the world's philosophy. Jesus said, "Do unto others as you would have them do unto you." You, uh, what's the golden rule? Right? That's it. It do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, now, now, don't don't applaud this. It's been replaced, and wrongfully so, replaced with the platinum rule. Y'all heard of the platinum rule? Do unto others as you want them to do unto you. That's not what Jesus said. He didn't say do unto others as they want you to do unto them. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What's wrong with the platinum rule? You're doing wrong if they want you to do wrong. We're to do unto others as we would have them. And our nature, our conscience, tells us what's right to do. Our relationship to the world, though, is strained because we are pilgrims and we are strangers. Now, the world does not understand our relationship with Christ and they even think of us as being religious. Are we religious? No, we have a relationship with Christ. We're strangers, and we're pilgrims. Now, what makes us different? What makes us different? We have the Holy Spirit, and we have the Word of God. That's what makes us different. We have the Holy Spirit living in us, and we have the Word of God that we read and we study, and we need to apply. Now, I could take you to the references over in John 17. I want to encourage you to read them sometime. John 17, 13 to 21. Very important passage. But we're not of the world. We're in the world but not of the world and we have Jesus teaching us and instructing us to be right, to do right, to learn His truth, to apply His truth and become more like Him. But folks, we're strangers. We're pilgrims in this world that we live in. We are separated from the world. We're separated. If you're a Christian... You're separated from the world because you have Christ living in you. You're not of the world. You're not going to be understood by the world. Unsaved people are not going to understand you if you live God's Word. We have a relationship with Jesus. We can offend people just simply because we're related to Jesus. Does that make any sense? We, i tell you what offends the world. We believe there's only one way to heaven. That's going to get Christians in trouble the longer we get away from the Bible in this society. The world teaches that religion is just all the same thing. You have your way, they have their way, we all have our own way to get to heaven. Well, that would be okay if Mohammed's son died on a cross and could propitiate for your sins. But number one, he didn't die on a cross. And number two, he wasn't a sinless Lamb of God that could propitiate for your sins. Now, we Christians believe there's only one way to heaven, And if we do not believe that, we are not a Christian. We're bound for trouble in this world, aren't we? You take that serious? Oh, listen. We believe in the existence of other religions. We believe in the acknowledgment of other religions. We can even say that other religions have accomplished great things. Uh, Judaism, for example, accomplished great things in in society, made a great difference in, in the world in which we live in. Uh, we we talk about the Judeo-Christian ethics that we should live by. We can approve. And there's and, and the Hindus are basically kind-hearted people. I don't know any, so I don't know. Is that my problem? Y'all know, do we have a local that I could get to know somebody? I don't know. I just don't know of anything real offensive from them. That's all good and dandy, but that won't get you to heaven. Now, I'm supposed to say your religion is just as good as other religions, and, and when it comes to religion, that's right. But I'm supposed to say that your way to heaven is as good as my way to heaven. I can't say that. Because I'd be lying to you. Now, if I lie to you, do I hate you or love you? If I lie to you, do I love you or hate you? I ain't loving you, am I? I could be hating you. If I tell you that you can do anything you want in this world, I could be lying to you about that because you can't do anything you want to in this world. If I love you, I'll tell you the truth, one of no, I know I need to temper the truth and try to apply the truth and try to feed it to you in a way that you can you can take it and, and take it in and accept it. I know I should do it that way. I understand that. But if I never tell you the truth, I'm not loving you. So we love the world. So we tell the world that the only way you can get to heaven is through the God-sent Lamb of God that died on a cross. That's offensive. That's offensive to Wokies. That's offensive to other religions. And that is a religion. But it's the truth. And the only way to love people is to try to convey and, and get to them the truth. Make sense? The problem between us and the world ultimately is is that we got this book that we take serious and we got this gospel we're commanded to preach. And as we see this society in which we're in, this culture in which we in, get farther and farther away from believing this book, we're going to find more and more and more and more offense to the preaching of God's Word and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now... Our relationship, and my last, or almost last thought. Our relationship, our life in the world. Look at verse 12. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. If I were to tell you your way to heaven is just as good as mine, I'd be lying to you. So, I'm to have my conversation honest among the Gentiles. That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now he goes back up in verse eleven, and he gives us some instructions. He he talked about our life in front of the world, our testimony. Again, we can say that you know we're to abstain from fleshly lusts that hinder our testimony and hinder our soul. we're to to not live by the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye. We need to have our focus on the Lord. We need to think about Jesus and emulate Jesus, live like Jesus, honor the Lord Jesus, knowing that we can't be Jesus. That's our life. Our relationship with the world. Now, then he gets into the civil government. I'm going to spend a lot of time on this, but we need to cover verse 13 through. He says, Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, or unto them that are, he said, as unto them that are sent by God for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. Can you think of, if you're still with me, I want you to think with me, have you ever thought of any occasion in the Bible when God's people were not or did not obey the law that was given to them? Give me some examples. i got three in my mind. Uh, Get the first one I'm not going to cover out of the way in the book of Acts, right? We are to obey God rather than man, right? Remember that when they were told not to preach the gospel? They said we are to obey God rather than man. So when people tell us don't preach the gospel, you know, that's where we went wrong in the public school. When they told us to shut up, we ought to went loud in our public school. We ought to went loud in our public school. So we won't cover that. But can you think, I'm thinking in the the book of Daniel. Anybody know anything in the book of Daniel where they were where they didn't obey the law? Yep. Yeah. What was it? Yeah, yeah, to bow before the idols. And so here's this when it comes to laws, we are not to obey a law that goes against the laws of God. Right? Pretty clear, don't need to spend a lot of time there. Notice the purpose of government in the text. Verse 14, unto, Or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that in well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. The purpose of government is to punish evil and honor right. And when a government turns to the Bible, applies the Bible, they're going to get it right. But when they turn against the Bible, they're going to be putting us at the odd end as Christians. Follow me? All right, so we're taught in the Bible to respect authorities. The policeman, even the stop sign, right? You were taught as I was taught, the stop sign. You raise your hand here Well, I know I'm not the only one the stop sign was the same as if an officer was standing there and saying halt. How I many remembers that teaching? Alright, some of you had six, yeah. So word of respect, authority, the speed speed limit, <coughs> speed limit. Lord forgive me. Anybody else gonna confess their sin with me? Parents? Respect parents. Colossians gives it a clear statement about respecting parents. Teachers. Parents, teach your children to respect the teachers. Police. Judges. Ooh, it's getting difficult in here, isn't it? Ooh, and they're not always right, are they? Governors. Senators. It's getting worse. Representative, presidents, submit. Oh, Jesus. That's why he said, for the Lord's sake. Because you and I can argue why we shouldn't. We're Americans. I don't know about you, but these are tough verses for me. They're tough. I don't like it. But I'm taught it. The Bible says it. Verse 14, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. Thank God we live in America. Verse 15, for so is the will of God. So is the will of God. All right, youngins, we got to obey the law. Amen? Unless it violates the law of God, obey the law, this is the will of God. That's verse 15. God said it, not me. Now look at verse 16. As free. As free. As free. And not using your liberty, oh, this is a good one, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. We're not to manipulate. Not to manipulate, verse 16, as free but not using or abusing our liberties. And then he summarizes verse 17 about authority. He says, honor all men. I don't want to spend time here, but I don't care who it is. We are to honor them. And that's a challenge for you sometimes. We're to honor all men. They're made by God. And we're to respect all. Because God is their creator. He says, honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. He closes with this. Generally speaking, just honor all men. Love the dearly beloved. Honor the King. Honor the King. Fear God. That's our instructions for the 4th of July weekend. May God bless America. Let's bow our heads. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want us to quietly stand and I want to tell the world today that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, became the Lamb of God where He died on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. He died for our sins on that cross. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want you to know today that God loves you and Jesus died for your sins. And if you would come and trust Him as your Lord and Savior, His blood will wash away your guilt before God and you'll be made right with God so that you can commune with God And spend eternity with God in heaven. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. He died. He was buried. And he rose again for our salvation. Would you give your heart to Christ today? need to come today. Let's sing it out now.